welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And uh, how many are grateful to be in God's house today, or even if you're watching online? It's great to be a part of the church, and um, we're excited about what God uh, is doing uh, in and through this church, and we have uh, been going through a series called Made for More, and we believe today that God is going to to move in your life, move in mine. Um, He's been dealing with me in a lot of things, um, especially right now we have... If you're a parent in the room, uh, you've been able to spend maybe some more time with your children, and uh, maybe that's brought out some good stuff, maybe it's brought out some negative stuff, but uh, it's been great to, uh, to have maybe some extra time with family, um, you know, even in the middle of a, of a pandemic, and today we're going to be sharing from God's Word today, and the reason why I say that is because, um, you know, as I uh, continue to parent you know, and my child, especially through a pandemic, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, there are times in my life where I felt impatient, um, you know, and it starts to creep up more and more. But now that we're in the middle of a pandemic and it seems like everybody's stressed out about everything these days, I feel like my patience level, my impatience level has increased greatly. Um, And it happened to me this past Tuesday, I have to confess to you, um, this past Tuesday, I was sleeping in bed. It was still dark outside. How many know that means it's early in the morning and the the sun's not up yet? Uh, I try to remind my son of that, that it's super early if you wake up and the sun is not up. Um, And, you know, and lo and behold, I'm sleeping and I open my eyes and my son, Isaiah, who's four, is staring at me literally within a foot of my face. And he goes, Dad, it's time to wake up. And I said, no, it's not. Go to bed, right? Um, he did not go to bed. And um, that, that created quite a day for me, uh, to say the least. I drank some extra coffee that day to motivate myself. Um, you know, so it's been, a, it's been a crazy ride throughout this whole pandemic. Um, and just trying to see what God is doing in, in this season uh, especially for the church, and what, what is God doing in the midst of this uh, time that we are now living in and we find ourselves in? You know, I've had a lot of time to uh, process through some thoughts on my own. Um, I've even spent time just repenting to God because I know that there have been stuff in my life that got in the way um, and that, you know, I started to maybe ignore or didn't put enough uh, value on and God starts to reveal things to you, and he starts to speak to you um, in incredible ways. And uh, so as we look to God's Word today, we're going to be, uh, do, we're in a series called Made for More. Today is the commitment that matters. If you're watching online, put that phrase in there, the commitment that matters. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll, you'll spell that out super fast. I'm amazed how quick people can type on their phone. So um, our online audience, we're so grateful that you're joining us here today. And um, the commitment that matters, because um, at the end of all days, the commitment that's going to matter the most is your commitment to the Lord, and you're the commitment to His church, building His church. 
um, in, in numerous ways that can happen. And, um, you know, as I've looked at 1 Peter chapter 4, which is where we're going to be looking at today, I, you can open up your Bible, or if you have a smartphone, you can get on version right now. You can uh, click on more, click on events after that, and then you'll find our church there with the notes uh, for you this morning. And uh, as I read this scripture, man, this was the exact scripture that was running through my brain uh, these past couple of months, things that the Lord was speaking directly to me and levels uh, that I need to increase, I guess, my participation in. And um, so we're going to be talking about that today. This is a book of the Bible, very interesting book of the Bible in First Peter, written by a man named Peter. Um, he's an apostle, and to give you an idea of what an apostle is, apostle is somebody that has been uh, in the ministry with Jesus while he was on earth, seen the resurrected Christ. Um, and so Peter is, is one of the, the main leaders leading the charge in the early church, especially in the book of Acts. You'll see that. And now Peter's writing uh, to a group of people in the Roman provinces during this time who are experiencing severe persecution. Um, and I don't know about you, but when you're experiencing persecution as a church, as people, how many know that's going to increase your stress level, right? Anybody feel stressed, right? No, of course not. We're all, we're all just at peace, right? I mean, no, and there's like this stress that comes when, even when it comes with persecution. Um, and so these people are experiencing high stress. And so Peter is going to talk with them how to conduct themselves in a time like this, especially encourage them challenge them, and remind them of the things that God has called them to be. Because they get to be a part of his church. And that's the thing he's going to be bringing out. You get to be a part of the greatest thing of all time, being a part of his church. I mean, have we ever just like sat back and just marveled at that? Like, I get to be a part of the greatest movement of all time. That is an amazing thing, that you and I get to be a part of his church. The thing that's going to last for all of eternity, the things we do for him, for his glory, is going to be the things that last for all of eternity. People sometimes say, you know, impact the world for Jesus. Well, yes, we'll impact the world for Jesus, but you know how you know you impact the world for Jesus? When you leave this world, the works that you did on this earth continue into the next generations to come. That's how you impact the world for Jesus, is that you may not see it all, but guess what? It's going to outlast you because the fruit of what you did on this earth will impact generations to come. I mean, we're seeing this in, in what has happened in, in the first Peter where he's writing to the church and he's calling them to, and he uses this phrase in verse seven, which I kind of want to bring to light here uh, on, on what this really is about. Um, he says, the end of all things is near. How many know that would increase your stress level? If you're reading that, the end of all things. What is he talking about, right? I mean, if you'd read the New Testament and the Bible and what it says, the Bible constantly talks about the coming of Christ, the second coming. Jesus left once and he said he will be back. And he says the end of all things is near. This is Peter talking. Now, what he's talking about, some of you may be saying, well, he must have got it wrong because that's been like thousands of years later and the end of all things was not technically near. But if, if you understand through what the Jewish believe about this, it, he was telling them the events that Jesus talked about after he left this earth. He was saying, listen, there are going to be these things that start to happen in these last days. Last days technically started when Jesus ascended to heaven. That's what the last days are like. And so Jesus said there's going to be severe persecution. Hello, First Peter, he's talking about it. He's saying, look, 
There is persecution. Jesus told us about this. So whenever events that Jesus talked about started to happen, they would circle that and say, remember what Jesus said, the end of all things is near when these things start to occur. And so even though in our human mindset, we're not able to pick a date and a time and a place and all this different stuff, it was a reminder to the Jewish people and to even us that when things that you cannot explain, things like persecution or even events that happen around our world that you cannot explain, just it's a reminder to the Christian church, God is in control and God is coming again for his church. It's a reminder and it's an exciting thing for the church. Now, I have seen so many videos on YouTube and Facebook about people talking about the end times right now. And I can honestly say the majority of them I have seen is, is, is creating such a stress level for people. I think we need to understand that I see where the people's hearts are on this. But at the same time, I think it's important for us as the church to know this is something to look forward to, not to be stressed out about. If you find yourself being stressed out about this, maybe you're communicating it wrong, or maybe that person communicated it in the wrong way. I call them alarmists because they are sounding the alarm. And it's like, I walk away from that video feeling stressed out. Like, oh my goodness. Like, do you think Peter wanted to cause more stress to the church than what they were already experiencing? So when he says the end is near, do you really think he meant it in that way where he's like, sound the alarm, everybody run for the hills? No, he's not saying that. He is simply saying to them, this is something we get to look forward to. This is a, a, a place that Jesus is ta- has talked about that there is no more suffering, no more stress, no more fear. It's all gone. This is a place they get to look forward to. And so as Christians, we get to look forward to. If you're a non-believer, of course, that might stress you out and freak you out a little bit. Of course. But if you're a Christian believer, this was something they got to look forward to. Right? I mean, this is like amazing. Like, wow. For one thing, you wouldn't have to experience death. How many would be like, praise God, right? Like, that's amazing. Jesus said he was coming back, and Peter is reminding him of this. Remember what Jesus said, the end of all things is near, which means when certain events took place in our world, in our society, we circle that and we remind ourselves. And we're not alarmists. We're not just trying to scare people to death and stress them out because you know what you do in the morning when you have an alarm? This is what I've been doing a lot. You silence it, right? You switch it off. So what have I been doing? Silencing those videos, saying I'm not watching that because all they're trying to do is scare me, you know? And all they're trying to, and and listen, this is nothing to be scared of if you're a part of the church. This is something you get to look forward to, right? I mean, this is clearly what Peter's trying to do. He's not trying to add to their stress level. That That would be crazy. And so, when it comes to this, let's be reminded that the, the end of all things is near, as Peter says, but this is something that we get to look forward to, not be freaked out about. And as a, a follower of Jesus Christ, he's going to call the church in 1 Peter chapter 4, he's going to call us to what does the church need to be, especially in a time like this? What does the church mean to him? What has he seen Jesus himself do especially when he was observing firsthand all the miracles. He is going to show us firsthand what exactly the church has meant to him. And to kind of illustrate what that means, I'll give you a real-life example. We're going to ask our youth intern, Valerie Fuqua, to come on up here. Let's give her a hand. 
And um, she's going to be sharing with us what the church means to her because this is her last Sunday with us before she heads to Lee University. Um, and so we're, we're extremely proud of her. And, but she's going to share with you just kind of what this idea of what the church means to her. So take it away. Well, good morning again. Um, <laughs> I am so glad to be here with you guys. Um, Grace has meant a lot to me. Um, this is where I got saved, and this is where I was truly invested in. Um, my whole faith journey was in this church, and to be back in here and pouring into other students has been really full circle for me. Um, Grace means a lot to me. The leaders and the pastors here have really done exactly what Bobby's talking about. They're so committed to seeing other people get to know Christ and make other people know Christ. And it's so awesome to see the process behind the scenes this summer. But Grace has really been there in every situation growing up when like I didn't understand what I was reading in the Bible. I had no idea what was going on there. I didn't read it. And then I would go to church camp and then I really wouldn't understand, but, like, I would really be intrigued by the points. And um, my whole faith journey has been really developed here, and it's been so awesome to be back in here um, and feel even more invested in as in a new season where I'm going into ministry. This has been awesome to continue to be invested in and see the love and the passion that goes on behind scenes with every leader, every volunteer, every pastor here. And they're so committed to seeing people in relationship with God to grow. And it's so awesome to see and to be able to learn from that. And I just really am so thankful to be here at Grace and be able to learn from every single one of you and every single pastor, even if you're online. I still see you and love you. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Valerie, stay up here just for a second because she has done a lot. Uh, I told her this is going to be the most unique internship of her entire life uh, simply because she came in at a time. At the beginning of the year, uh, we, we weren't planning on it, there being a pandemic. But now that she has uh, joined us, it's been a crazy uh, journey for her. She's done a lot for our kids. She's done a lot for our youth. She's helped us on Sundays. She's even painted a lot of stuff downstairs. Uh, you'll see uh, that, and um, it's really uh, great to see her serve uh, in, in numerous ways. She worked extremely, extremely hard, um, and we're very proud of her and what she has done and how she has helped this church, especially during this season. Um, and so Pastor Paul called me to his office on Friday, uh, or it was on Thursday, actually, and he said, you know, we want to bless Valerie with a love offering uh, for her as she continues to pursue full-time ministry. We believe the Lord has anointed her and gifted her with some incredible things. And so we believe in the younger generation, don't we, church? And so this is an opportunity for us to show that in her life, especially um, as, you know, school's not cheap. All that stuff is not cheap. Um, and so we want to just be a blessing to her because she's been a tremendous blessing to us. So today, uh, if you want to give online, you can. Uh, you can go to graceofbelair.com. We also, at the end of service, you can drop that offering off and just make sure you mark it for her so that we know that's for her. And so we'll make sure that she gets all of that. But we want to pray for her, don't we, church? Because we believe that prayer is powerful and effective. And so we're going to do the social distance approved. You can extend your hand towards her. If you're online, extend your hand towards the screen, all right? Wherever you're, whatever you're watching, even if you're eating pancakes right now, extend your hand towards that screen. And let's just pray 
for, the, uh, for God to bless her this morning. Lord, we thank you for Valerie. Thank you for her heart to serve you, God, in, in numerous ways this season. God, we just want to uh, just bless her for what she has done. Lord, for our church, she's worked hard. Uh, for our kids, for our youth, Lord, for things on, that are going on on Sunday behind the scenes. Uh, Lord, even, you know, even doing some painting around the church, God, which we're extremely grateful for uh, her acts of service, Lord. And we just want to bless her, Lord. We pray that you would bless her in this season of life that she is in as she goes to school. God, that you'd bless her financially, Lord, to, uh, to pay for school and all these different things that you have called her uh, to be. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless and anoint her, the calling that she has on her life. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Valerie one more time. Thank you, Valerie. So this is what the church is all about. Church is about believing in people that God has something for them. God has something incredible for them, whether they're on a stage or they're not. God has something for everybody. And so today we're going to be uh, walking through exactly what this looks like in Peter and what he is talking to the church about. The first point is prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. If you're watching online, put that in the comments. Prayer. We want to be a church that has prayer. Prayer is an important thing, which is why one of the reasons we feel led to and compelled to start up the Wednesday night prayer time where we can pray uh, together as a body, or if you would like to pray outside, you can, or if you like to pray from your home, we understand if there's some comfort levels that may be different on that. Um, but we want you all to be prayer warriors uh, during this time. This is a participation. He says this in the, the second part of verse 7. He says, the end of all things is near, as we have mentioned, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. There's that word, pray. Be alert and of sober mind. What is he talking about? He uses this Greek word, this Greek word, it's a phrase called sophroneo. Or online, you're going to have a lot of fun today because you get to play spelling bee time. I, I want you to spell that correctly. Sophroneo, there you go. So spell that. We'll check it later and see if you spelled it correctly. No cheating. Um, sophroneo. This is a Greek word that was used. There's a parallel passage to this in Mark chapter 5, verse 15 where Jesus delivers a man who is demon-possessed, and, and he delivers him from this. And the man is then said in verse 15, he was clothed and in his right mind. That's the word, or that's the phrase it's referring to. In his right mind. He was once a person that wasn't in his right mind, but now he is. Now, I'm not saying that every person that's not a believer in Jesus Christ is, is demon-possessed. But their principle is, is what we are trying to pull out here, is that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to be in our right mind. So if there are things in our life that cause us to not be in our right mind, then something needs to change. This could mean a numerous different things, but it, it's important to know, are you being fed by God's word or are you being fed by something else? Are we being fed by an agenda? Are we being fed by other things that are trying to entertain us. And we're entertaining these things and these ideas. And then we say, you know what? I don't have time for God's word. I don't have time to dig deep into, and to process through this book of truth because I got to watch a 15 minute video on YouTube about something that has nothing to do with anything. And so we, we spend all of our time doing other things that don't actually matter. It's important to know that 
you know, the first thing you do, I've challenged myself in this area, especially during this time, you know, when this thing whole started, if I could change anything, I would change this. When I, this whole pandemic started, the first thing I wanted to do in the morning is see what in the world is happening in our country as a result of this pandemic. There's a riot here. There's, there's this going on. There's people that are angry and upset and all these different things are going on. And, and, and so there is so much going on in our country and my heart breaks for our country. My heart is, is wanting to meet these needs and speak to people who have, who have gone through some terrible situations, some terrible things that have gone on. My heart breaks for those people. Does your heart break for our country? Does your heart break for those people who are angry? I mean, I understand you may disagree or you may agree, but does your heart break for them because of the trauma they've experienced in their life? It's where a lot of it's coming from. It's things that they have heard about, things that they have seen with their own eyes. And it's trauma because it's bringing to their minds what has happened to their family, to they themselves. And they get angry and upset. And I'm here to tell you, the world is trying to sell you a lie that somehow we can make this world better on our own. You cannot. If Jesus is not involved, it's not going to get better. That goes, that goes against Scripture. If you think that the world can just get better by our own ideas, our own philosophies, that's called arrogance and pride. That is not what God's Word says. God says He is the one that transforms lives and transforms hearts. That's what needs to happen in our country. Transformation, repentance, that's what needs to take place. In order for that, for that to happen, guess who has to pray? His people, thank you. His people pray. We hear this scripture quoted all the time, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's important to know that it does not say if the world would pray. It says, if my people. Why are we expecting people to pray if they don't believe in God in the first place? Why are we expecting them to follow God's plan for their life if they don't even know that he's real or they don't even care that he does exist? Why would we expect that? We have put an unrealistic expectation on people and we have, for, we have forgotten that we need to take a hard look at ourselves as the church in America. That we need to understand the end of all things is near, as Peter said. That when these things happen, it's a reminder that he is coming for his church. He is coming. That's not to stress us out. That's to give us an excitement and then produce an urgency to do these things. But is there an urgency? This is where the American church, I feel like, needs to repent because we do not talk about the end of all things being near. We try to talk about the world getting better by our own ideas, our own philosophies, our own thinking. That's where the American church needs to repent of. We've tried to do this whole thing, and we're saying the world gets better. No, it does not. The Bible says the opposite of that. The Bible says just because there's technology that makes our life more comfortable does not mean the world gets better. In fact, we're seeing the same issues that we've been fighting about for how many years now? It's been a long time. Why? Because we believe the lie that technology and the things that we have done, all the medicine we've produced, we think that's just going to make our country and our world a better place. And I'm here to tell you, while those things can help, it does not necessarily make and cure our world of the sin disease that is going on. 
If you want to see revival happen, the church has to pray. And it do exactly what this thing, this scripture says. If my people will humble themselves. It's humility. What does prayer do? It humbles you. Gets your attention off of yourself and on God. This is the important thing. And we pray and we seek his face. He says, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. As my grandfather said, I read one of his message notes as he passed away a few weeks ago. I read one of his message notes and it says, said this. He said this numerous times about this scripture passage. God's not waiting to hear from the White House. He's waiting to hear from the church house. This is true. He's waiting to hear from his church. He's not waiting to hear from a political party. He's not waiting to hear from anything else other than his church. This is where he uses the church the most. And, and this is why we have hope to know that God uses people. Because Peter is telling us to make our prayers. He wants our prayers to be powerful and effective. Luke chapter 11, it, it exemplifies this. They come to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Have they heard prayers before? Yes. They've heard prayer. They've heard the religious leaders talk and pray and, and give incredible prayer times. But when they looked at Jesus, they saw that there was something different. When he prayed, things changed. Things happened. It wasn't just a routine anymore. It was like, whoa, when you come down from the hill or the mountain after you pray, miracles happen. Healings take place. People's lives are transformed. What are you doing? He's praying the heart of God and the agenda of God. And he's, he's understanding what God is really focused on. You see, prayer is all about focus. Put that in the comments, focus. Prayer is all about focus. It's focusing in, leaning in to what God is saying to our church, to our people. Well, this is another part that he says in verse 8. He, taught, he teaches us, he wants the church and urges the church to love. And he says this, above all, love each other deeply because love cover, covers a multitude of sins. So when it comes to love, he says, above all, love. Above all, love. That's what he's calling the church to do. Above all, love. Now, when you hear the phrase covering a multitude of sins, it's not saying that, that you can just sin so much and then love somebody and that takes care of it all. That's not what Peter's talking about. What Peter's more than likely referring to, there's debate, more than likely there, he's referring to, he's, he's, he's saying when we learn to love, we understand that we do not desire to harm people. We do not desire to, to do things that will bring uh, harm or hurt to somebody else. We, that's not the desire. We start to understand and process through, like, this is what I need to do. It may be loving, and it's loving unconditionally. In other words, what can typically, what we need to ask ourselves a lot of times about love is this, that we need to ask ourselves, how can I love this person in a disagreement? Peter's, or Peter is talking about loving people through things, through disagreements, through differences of opinions, whatever the case may be. He, he wants us to ask those questions. It's about a deep love. It's deeper than just the, sometimes what we make it out to be. How can I speak truth in a Christ-like love manner? Because a lot of times we know how to speak the truth, but we don't know how to do it in love. 
We know how to speak the truth. This is where Jesus would call out the religious Pharisees and Sadducees and say, you guys know your Bible, but you do not know love. You need to learn how to speak in love. This is what Jesus was, was asking the church to do. And so when we can, when we go through this, when we learn to love deeply, what that word means, I won't give the online audience another spelling bee word. I'll, I'll refrain. But what it's talking about is loving without ceasing. Loving without ceasing. That's what Peter's referring to. What can happen in, in our world, but does not, it should not and ever not happen in a church, is that we come to the point of, we where, of where we wish to not see somebody in heaven because of what they've done to us. That's dangerous. Jesus wants everybody to be in heaven. But if we ever come to that place of saying, I don't want them there, then you need to check your heart. It's important for us to know that, to love deeply. The the third thing is this, in verse 9, he says this, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He's urging the church. I love it, without grumbling. He, like, knows situations like, yeah, I know what you guys think about certain people, right? I mean, it's kind of funny. Um, He he has to use that phrase, without grumbling. Um, Don't just show hospitality, but but do it without grumbling. He He wants us. This is what attracted so many people to the church in the early church, is that their, their hospitality, it was amazing. They invited people into their homes. They've, they've, they were able to meet needs when they decided, to, you know what, we want this person to be a part of our family. We want them to see and experience the love that is within our family of believers. And so this is what was what made them feel so welcoming, was by what they did. Now, I understand that we're living in a time where you can't necessarily invite people into your home. But you can't have food delivered to their door, can't you? You could mow their yard. I mean, get permission first because the Lord knows you may end up mowing the yard that there is somebody that is very specific about how they mow their yard. So make sure you get permission. But, and make sure they're at their home if you decide to do a food delivery for them, okay? There's a lot of different things that can happen, okay? So it's important that we know where are, where are people today? Where are our neighbors? What, what can we do? How can they feel accepted and loved? Because if, if we're going to change the world, we've got to love people in, not push them out. We've got to love them in. Well, you don't know what they do. You don't know what they're like. I don't care. Love them in. That's how they change. This is the best place for them to be, is with a family of believers. And this is what attracted so many people to the church, was how, and how they won so many people to the Lord, because they saw the gift of hospitality. We have to make others feel comfortable. We have to meet their needs. We have to invite people. This is an easy way to invite people now, is the more we go online and more stuff we do online, you can share, you can tag people, and have them join church with you. I mean, it's amazing how quickly that can just happen. Or you can invite them to a building, but if they're not comfortable, there's other ways to do it. It's an amazing thing to to see. Last thing is this, exercising your gifts. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is what Peter's referring to when it comes to using your gifts. Um, Your gifts do not make you invincible. 
in other words. Your gifts, if you are created in the image of God, which the Bible says, that means the gifts do not belong to you. They belong to God. He's the one that gave it to you. We live in a world who, who want to attract people to their gifts and their talents and, and, and basically put themselves on this pedestal to say, look at me, look how awesome I am. Peter is saying, don't do that. Because as soon as they see a flaw in you, I mean, how many times do we need to see this in our world? As soon as they see a flaw in you, how many know there's no forgiveness, there's only condemnation, and they bring you down, and they bring you down hard. The church is not to be that way. The church is different than that. The church is to exercise their gifts and to not think of themselves as invincible. But, I mean, as he says, do it in such a way that if you're speaking, like myself, you think it's easy to be up here and speak in front of people? I mean, that would put the fear of God in me right there. Speak as if God is talking. Wow. <laughs> no pressure, Bobby. Right? I mean, it's, it's just like easy, right? No, it's not easy. But if we're serving in the same capacity, this is what Peter says. If you're serving, do it as if you're serving God himself or do it in such a way God is serving people. It's such a, an amazing concept to, to hear and to see because when we live in submission to God, everything belongs to him, even our gifts. I read a, a story about uh, a pastor in India, how he was recruiting leaders, both volunteer and paid. And uh, he has a small church, church of about 40,000 people. No big deal, right? Um, and, and they asked him, like, how do you find leaders? And he said, I learned a very valuable lesson early on. Recruit people based on their humility, not their gifting. Humility comes first. Gifting is after that. Because he said, I've seen too many people with their giftings destroy themselves and destroy people with their gift. I want humility above it all. And that's how he processes through who to have. So when we learn to serve God, whether it's in a church building or in our, in our neighborhoods, in our world, we serve out of humility. Because we don't need any of the credit. Who cares? That's what I try to remind people all the time. Who cares who gets the credit? Who cares about the pat on the back? Who cares who gives you the thumbs up? Who cares? Because you know what? The one thing that matters is God in the end. It's the one thing that matters. And so when we come to this, this time, I understand we're in the middle of what we're in. You know, but it's important. You know, we say this all the time. The church is not a building. The church is the people of God. Well, we're finding out whether or not we really believe that statement. Because the question I had to ask myself is, am I still being the church just because some things have been inconvenient? Things have got, had changed. I will say this, you know, when it comes to things going on in our world, I've seen so many persecutions take place around our world. Masks are not persecution. Temperature checks are not persecution in our world. Hear my heart behind this. I've read book after book after book, story after story of what the persecuted church is facing around our world. And I understand there may be different levels of that. But when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to God's Word, there's so many things that come up when it comes to persecution. And I look at places like Sudan, North Korea, and China, and I'm seeing what those people go through. And for me to say a mask is, is, is persecution, no, it's not. It's inconvenient, yes. Do I feel like I'm going to pass out sometimes? Absolutely. 
I can hardly breathe sometimes trying to walk through parking lots and stores, you know, and all that. But you know what? You can still talk. You can still proclaim the gospel. You can still share the good news of Jesus Christ with or without a mask. I understand that. It's not a persecution. It's an inconvenience for sure. But there are so many different things that are going on in our world, and I'm just like, wow. There's persecution right there. And it's so important for us to know that when it comes to using our gifts, you may get mocked, you may get made fun of, you may get pressured to do certain things, but you know what? It's the words of Peter right here is what matters. He says, to him be the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory. This is Peter talking, the leader of the church during this time. He didn't say to Peter be the glory. He says to God be the glory. He he knows that when he tried to play hero when Jesus was here, he failed time after time when he tried to play hero. He denied that he even knew Jesus, even though he spent all that time with him. He knew if I try to play the hero, I'm going to fail every single time because I've experienced it. And he's telling the church this. He's urging them. He's saying, listen, if you're trying to play the hero, don't. Because someone else, that's someone else's seat. That's God's seat. He's the one that gets the glory, the honor, and the power forever and ever. To him, not to us, not to anyone else. Who cares about credit? Give God credit. Give God the glory and watch things change around you. God has called us to be in effect. I'm going to ask the worship team to come if they can. We're going to take a moment to close this time. God says in his word and through this today, we live our lives that give God the glory. Through our prayers, we will see effectiveness. The church is getting stronger. The church is not getting weaker. I said the church is getting stronger. It is getting stronger. The world, as the Bible declares, is getting weaker, but the church does not. There are a whole lot of Christians around our world today because of what we have seen people in the Bible do when they decided it doesn't matter about credit. I don't care. I just want to glorify God. It's not about who gets the fame. It's not about who gets the quote. Who cares? It's about seeing God and his kingdom built. And you and I get to be a part of that throughout all of eternity. Our prayers will be effective when we do this. Our love for people will be attracted to the community of believers. Our hospitality will see people's lives change because they see our love for one another. Our gifts will be displayed because God is giving the glory And no one's trying to take credit for it all. But when we give God the glory, he's going to start transforming some people. And I don't know where you're at today, but you should be encouraged by the fact that God is wanting you to be so effective. This is why he believes you are all world changers. Not just a pastor that's standing up here and speaking to you. You are all world changers because if you apply this to your life, these things, these impacts that you have had on our world will outlast you. I mean, we're a long way from Jerusalem right now. We're a long way from Rome, aren't we? A long way. And yet that impact, what has happened over there in that nation and those areas at that particular time has reached us. 
this is an amazing, an amazing thing. Can you imagine? I can't even begin to fathom all the things they heard Jesus tell them when they got to heaven. Do you realize what you did mattered? And do you realize thousands of years later, your impact and what you did for the cross and what you did for God is continuing long after you left that world? That is what God is going to show you. I can't, I can't tell you what my impact on this world will be until Jesus reveals it all to me and says, this is what, this is what happened. It's what's going to happen after you, you have left this world. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. The way you parented your children in the way and raised them up in the ways of the Lord. The way you you reached your coworkers and you did things the right way. You didn't cut corners and people wanted you to do it. They pressured you to do it, but you didn't do it. You stayed the course because you were doing it unto the Lord. You weren't doing it for people. You were doing it unto the Lord because it was the Lord who gifted you with it. It was the Lord who put that conviction in your heart. Now I'm going to give it my all because my life on this earth is short. Eternity is a really long time. And so this morning, I want us to do this. Stand to your feet today. We're going to, before we even close, even if you're watching online, we're going to worship the Lord together here for just a few moments. And I don't know where you need, where you are today. If you need to maybe repent of some of the things I've had to repent about. Or if you needed to say, Lord, I want to be effective. Encourage me to be effective. Or if you've been hiding a gift, God wants you to use that gift. If you've been in a place today where maybe you've got some forgiveness that you need to pass along to somebody because you are, are realizing you're not loving them. Or maybe you got a, a heart check because maybe you don't want to see them in heaven. Love them unconditionally the way Jesus loves you. I'm not trying to demean some of the things that have happened to people. I know there can be some severe things, but I understand the power of forgiveness is not just for that person, it's also for you to release those things into the Lord's hands. And so this morning, as we sing this song together, let's be reminded that the church is getting stronger and the victory belongs to him and that he is gonna take what the devil meant for harm and he's gonna turn it around for his glory and we're gonna see victory after victory after victory. Peter saw it, the church in these, these times saw it. We are seeing it today. We're still seeing lives being transformed. We're still seeing his church being built in Ecuador and Cuba and all over the world, even in China. They don't even know how many people are serving the Lord. There's way too many, they said. We can't count them. I mean, fathom that. We can't count how many Christians are in China because they're all underground, but we know they could be larger than the, all the Christian population around the world because they have decided that the thing that matters most is Jesus. Regardless of if life is comfortable or not, they have built the church up and God has built his church up. So let's begin to sing this together because the Lord is victorious and he's bringing victory to your family. He's bringing victory to your life and he's bringing victory to your coworkers because greater is he who's within you than he that is in the world. The enemy is in the world. God is within you though what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn around for good. If you believe that today, I want to encourage you to lift your hands. If you're at home, I know your kids may be going crazy right now, but maybe they need to see you lift your hands and worship God because that's the thing they're going to remember is how you worship God. They're going to remember those moments 
They may not remember everything you said, but they will remember the actions that you took. So let's lift our voices together. Let's lift our hands and let's give him praise for the glory and the honor he deserves. Amen. Let's sing together.